Hi, and welcome to the Optimize Podcast. This is our first episode, and I'm so happy that you're here. My name is Nate Matherson, and I'm the host. As you might know, I've been building and scaling organic search channels for most of the last decade across a variety of different but very competitive verticals like consumer finance and B2B SaaS, and I've learned a thing or two along the way. I'm happy to share those insights on this podcast, but content marketing and SEO is changing, and it's changing at a rapid pace. I've got questions, you've got questions, and we all need to keep up. And on this podcast, we're going to bring on some true experts, ranging from in-house teams to agencies and solo practitioners. We're going to ask them pressing questions and get the insights that we need to go and improve our search rankings and drive more traffic from organic search as SEO changes from here. Each episode comes out on Wednesdays, and each episode is going to be about 35 or 45 minutes. We're not going to waste your time. You'll leave feeling like you learned something and have something to go and implement on your own website. And without further ado, I'm thrilled to bring on our first guest, who's a friend and true expert. I've got a ton of questions to ask him. Let's get into it. Hi, and welcome to the Optimize Podcast. My name is Nate Matherson, and I'm your host. On this weekly podcast, we sit down with some of the smartest minds in content marketing and SEO. Our goal is to give you perspective and insights on what's moving the needle in organic search right now. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with Ryan Bednar. Ryan is a friend and fellow Y Combinator alum and truly one of the best in organic search. He's experienced scaling organic search channels across a variety of industries for both his clients and his own websites, and at Rank Science, Ryan's agency, he's worked with a large number of Y Combinator-backed startups on everything from technical SEO, off-page SEO, and content creation. There's a lot for us to unpack here today, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with Ryan. This episode of the Optimize Podcast is brought to you by Positional. At Positional, we're building tools for content marketing and SEO teams. We've got a great selection of tools for everything from content optimization to keyword research and technical SEO. And you can visit our website at positional.com. Without further ado, uh, let's jump into the podcast. Um, so Ryan, it's great to have you on today. I know there's a lot for us to talk about, everything from working with content agencies and SEO agencies all the way to how organic search is changing from here um, because we know that there is a lot of change coming um, and I'm trying to get ahead of it personally and, and hopefully we can help our listeners do that too. Um, but before we uh, jump into the questions, it, it'd be great to learn like a little bit more about you. Um, how did you get into content marketing and SEO? What led you to this being uh, your career path? So I've been doing SEO since I think 2009, um, when I was on the early SeatGeek team, I'm a software engineer by, by trade, and I, I helped build the first version of SeatGeek, which you know, just now a pretty big company. It was originally just a web app that aggregated tickets from other ticketing providers, and uh, no one was really buying tickets from us early on, but we started ranking organically for a handful of terms, you know, terms like Philadelphia 76ers tickets, and we didn't have any marketers on the team, we didn't have any money to work with agencies, and and so you know, we, we tried to reverse engineer from a technical standpoint why some pages were ranking and not others, and how can we make all of our pages and so I, I came in SEO from a technical perspective. And after SeatGeek, I, I, I went through a 
Terminator in uh, winter 2011, which is a startup called Tutor Spree. And it was, it was a marketplace for, for tutors or Airbnb for tutors. The company ultimately didn't, didn't work out and, and was kind of sold for parts, but it was a tremendous learning experience for me. And it's where I got really good at SEO, you know, which was responsible for pretty much all of our growth. And when, when the company shut down, I started getting referred by YC partners to, to help other YC startups at, at SEO. So, you know, this is back 2013, 2014, I became sort of the de facto SEO advisor for, for YC startups during this period. And, you know, all the while I was kind of building software tools to, to try and productize some of what I was doing as a consultant and Rank Science w w was born from that. Yeah. Well, you've been in this industry quite a bit longer than I have. I, I think I first started in the content marketing and SEO and SEO around 2014, 2015. And I think similar to you, like I found content marketing and SEO out of necessity. I think with any marketplace style business, whether you're a marketplace for tickets or a marketplace for tutors, or in my case, a marketplace for consumer financial products, like in these categories, like customer acquisition and customer acquisition costs is critical. And similar to you, like we found it as a way to acquire customers to our site at a lower price point and in a regularly occurring way. And I think a lot of startups, especially now, are thinking about like, how do they diversify their customer acquisition channels with content and SEO? I'd be curious to know, like you've been in this industry and in this game since 2009, like how has it changed over the last 14 years from when you first started thinking about search to kind of what you're thinking about in 2023? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and I can say what you say really resonated with me, like as a, you know, 20 something with no money working on startups, SEO, you know, seemed like free traffic, like it blew my mind like this, you can get Google to send customers to your website for free. This is amazing. And so, so that got me really excited about it. I think, you know, I would say 10 to 15 years ago, every SEO agency had a network of sites um, or, or PBNs, private blog networks that they would use to, to link to their clients and spread authority. You know, this worked and it was really easy. It was a lot easier to game SEO back then. It worked so well that, that Google put a lot of effort into understanding backlinking schemes. So I survived the uh, Penguin update in 2013 or whatever it's called. Um, those sort of like black hat tactics everyone was doing, even the Fortune 500 companies were doing. I think since then, you know, back backlinks still, still matter a lot, obviously, it's but it's harder to get them now. You know, as less people have personal websites or, or there's less like personal blogs in general. But I think SEO has been legitimized a bit. You know, it, it's gained a lot of credibility, especially in the startup community. I, you know, as we've seen stories of lots of startups scaling with SEO as like a key driver of growth. You know, Zapier, you know, grew SEO as it was a key driver of, of growth. Airbnb, you know, others like that. It previously was looked down upon and you were considered something of a spammer. Uh, if you worked in SEO, it's now more, more legitimate. Yeah, for the longest time, I called myself a content marketer because SEO almost had like a bad connotation to it. Like you were up to no good. And I, I think like you've described, I, I think in some sense, like content marketing and SEO is, has almost become simpler. I think it, I, I would personally say it's maybe more competitive and more difficult than it maybe was like 10 years ago, like you said, with kind of everyone now thinking about it and taking it maybe more seriously as a real channel than they were 10 years ago. But um, in some sense, I think there's also less inputs than there was 10 years ago. People always ask me like, how do you win in content and SEO? And I, I think if you pick the right keywords and create great content and do the basics from a, a technical SEO standpoint, you'll be 
successful. I think the days of like PBNs and some of those black hat tactics, I think uh, they still exist, but uh, I think Google has gotten much better at kind of detecting the spam and promoting uh, those who are really doing it correctly. But I know you ended up doing um, Y Combinator a second time. Uh, so you're in that elite club of multi-time YC founders. And with Rank Science, uh, your current company, you were part of the winner 2017 batch, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And w- one of the things I was doing as an SEO consultant for, for a lot of YC startups was building software to try to productize you know, some of what I was doing. I you know, specifically built uh, SEO A-B testing software. We first built this as a CDN with Rank Science now it's a JavaScript snippet. So with Rank Science, we, we have a JavaScript snippet we can embed on your site, and that allows us to make changes to customers' web pages. We can change things like title tags and see if we can improve click-through rates. We can do all of that with JavaScript through, through our web app. One of the pain points as, as an SEO, and I'm sure this is something you've seen, Nate, is like you can put together guidance or recommendations for clients, but it's like hard to get them to to it, it's, it's often hard to get them to actually execute those recommendations and so we can do some of that through rank science and so so that that was kind of the original pitch for the company but we've evolved to kind of you know we're a tech enabled seo services agency for, for startups we do full stack seo you know and we, we've helped probably now hundreds of startups grow seo from zero to hundreds of thousands of clicks per month sometimes even millions of clicks per month, including companies like Zapier, Calm.com, Shutterstock, Replit, you know, lots of big, big companies. You've worked with some of the best uh, in terms of Y Combinator companies. And I I know now, like since you originally launched Rank Science, you have both like a software component to your business, as well as like the the agency side of things, um, where you'll actually go and do work on behalf of those clients. And one of the questions I'm always asked because I'm in the business of selling tools to content marketing and SEO teams is, should I do it myself or should I hire an agency? This is a question that especially early stage founders often ask me, and especially if they haven't built a content or SEO channel before, but they know that they want to. And so I guess I'll put the question on you. When should you hire like an SEO agency like Rank Science to come in and and essentially help you build this channel for you? Or when should you like DIY it if you're like an early stage stage founder and, and try to build this channel internally? The annoying answer here is, is it depends as, as, as with a lot of things in SEO. I think it depends on your growth goals as a startup. How aggressively are you trying to grow traffic? Are you, you know, are you trying to three to five X traffic in six months or a year? If you have aggressive growth goals, it makes a lot of sense to partner with an agency. You know, or if you're if you're just starting out with SEO and you're not really sure how to get started, it makes a lot of sense to partner with an agency. You can basically bring experts who work on dozens of other sites with success, bring them into your team and let them show you the ropes. I, I, and then I would say, you know, the ex- can you get do you have any expertise on your team or do you have someone on your team who is really fascinated by SEO and wants to become an expert at it. It's hard to find SEO talent out there and get them to, to join your startup. There's not, not as many talented SEOs as there are talented software engineers. But, but I guess I would say on the other side of things, if you have someone internally who understands SEO somewhat and wants to get really good at it, you know, it, it might make sense doing it in-house. I think also, you know, Along the lines of growth goals, you know, are you trying to get cash flow positive in six to twelve months? You know, maybe try to figure it out yourselves. If if you know if you just care, you're, you're trying to get to break even. But I would say people who are really good at SEO, they can make a lot more money as a consultant, um, or, or maybe starting their own agency or starting their own startup than, than probably like joining a, a seed stage startup. And and I would say 
you know, with, with rank science, we, we, we understand startups because we're, we're a startup ourselves and some agencies try to obscure what they're doing. So, so people keep them around longer. They try to keep the kind of the knowledge to themselves. And we take sort of the opposite approach. You know, we'll teach and educate startups on how to grow SEO. And when they're ready to take it over themselves, like we're, we're very happy with that and like usually see it as, as a job well done because we understand and we've been there before. Yeah. And I have a few follow-up questions there that you've already touched on. And so my first is like outgrowing an agency. It seems like at some point, like once you get to like series A or series B or series C and beyond, like you'll want to build this muscle or team. Uh, internally, as far as like your clients go, when do they typically like start to feel like they might want to build this function or team internally versus like, you know, continuing to use an agency like Rank Science or, you know, one of the many other agencies that are out there? You know, say you get to the Series A stage and SEO is like one of your top three channels. <laughs> if it's like a top three channel for you, you should probably have someone internally who's an expert kind of running it or at least managing it. You know, that means you probably have your, your content strategy in place. You probably have had some way, you've figured out how to get backlinks and it's kind of like about growing it from there. You know, how do you double it from there? How do you grow by 50% from there? I think at that stage, you know, when, when you have a more developed marketing organization, you have, you know, maybe a writer on staff. Um, at that stage, it makes a lot of sense to start thinking about doing it internally. You know, th that being said, I mean, we also, and, and I personally have worked with Fortune 500 publicly traded companies where they have big SEO teams internally, but then they also have two or three agencies on retainer and, you know, they bring people in for guidance, advice, for strategy. So I, it's, it's one of these, it's, it's SEO is always changing. There's always people out there who are on the cutting edge, like seeing what things are happening. One of the advantages working with a consultant or, or an agency brings to you is they see what's working on other sites right now, or they see maybe like what's being penalized on other sites right now, what's not working on other sites right now. And so bringing in outside guidance, outside input can, can be really helpful because when you're internally, you're, you're looking at one website, you don't know what the rest of the universe is, it, of what's happening today. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think there's something to be said for, uh, even if you are serious about building this channel internally and, and learning how to build a content and SEO muscle, there's probably something to be said for also working with an agency who can help you learn and get up to speed faster and then also help fact check the work you're doing independently. So you must have some clients who are also like putting in a lot of effort internally and then also using rank science as like a supplement to the to work that they are doing. Is that something you see with your clients? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I guess like that's why for, for us anyway, it makes a lot of sense to like scale up or down our engagement. If it's like, you know, maybe we're doing more hands-on work early on the first year maybe even just the first eight to nine months. And then a company says, hey, I think we can take on more of this ourselves. We're gonna bring in some people. Well, it's like, okay, we, we can scale back our engagement to something where we're still providing value, but in a, in a smaller way, probably more strategic way rather than, than being as hands-on. So, so yeah, that, that's something that we definitely support. And that I think is pretty common out there. If I was like an early stage startup, maybe I just went through Y Combinator and I know that I want to build a content and SEO channel. Um, I have a marketplace business. It's clearly going to be valuable to me. If I were to hire rank science, like what are those like first one or two things that like 
an agency comes in and, and, and does for me as part of building this strategy? First, we would try to understand the universe of search terms that you care about for your business. What are the, you know, we'd help you figure out the phrases users are searching for, you know, that might want to become customers or might, you know, informational queries where they might learn about you guys and become customers later. And then from there, we'd put together like a technical SEO strategy, which, which, which is basically like, what is the URL hierarchy of your site and, you know, what should it look like? How do your pages link to one another? How much content is are on these different pages? And then like a content strategy, how, how can we produce some interesting content about your brand or about your space and, you know, and get your, get your name out there in, in sort of your, your niche. And so that might involve, you know, helping produce blog posts or content for landing pages. And then I think from there, the next component, we, we know you basically, or at least I would guess SEO from like a high level is like 50% the content that's on your, your sites and then 50% off page who's linking to, to you like who's lending authority to your website who's telling google that you, you know you're you're a, you're a topical authority and and so that involves um, outreach to bloggers and other websites to try and get backlinks or almost sort of like pr i agree with you i think keyword research like identifying like what to write about is typically like the first step if you don't pick the right keywords everything else you do is going to be less effective. And that's often like a big mistake I'll see early stage startups make is they'll just start writing content and creating content without actually first thinking about like, how do these pieces of content tie to a specific keyword or question that their potential customer has. And then I totally agree with you from like a site structure and technical SEO standpoint, like it's something you need to be thinking about early on. And it always amazes me when I go to a blog that has like 50 posts and none of them are internally linked together. And it's like the first thing that I'll often recommend doing. But speaking of off page, like building backlinks, uh, this is something that like I have quite a bit of experience with like at my first company we built thousands of backlinks we had like two full-time people building backlinks for us and we were in like a very competitive space being like financial products and this was also back in like 2014 2015 2016 when I think backlinks maybe were a little bit more valuable at like a page level than they are today. I still think backlinks personally are pretty valuable at a domain level, but how do you think like the value of backlinks has changed or is changing? Um, a question I'm often asked is uh, how many backlinks do I need to build? So if a client came to you and said, how many backlinks should I build to my website? or uh, how important are backlinks? Uh, how would you answer those questions? I think they're, they're as important as ever. I do think they're harder to get than, than they used to be. There's less people with personal blogs. Um, there's less blogs in general. And you have to get, you know, backlinks are most helpful from sites that already have authority. And, and that, of course, makes them hard to get. You could kind of gain this back in the day by getting backlinks to deep pages um, on your site. I do think kind of like more domain-specific backlinks, even if the backlinks are to your homepage now, you know, today are, are, are just as helpful as some of the deep ones, although you do want to do some deep linking. With the advent of something like generative AI, these with LLMs, anyone can produce 100,000 landing pages in, in a week. <laughs> I think like content, is, the, the, the playing field for content has now been sort of leveled a, a bit. Not completely, but it, it, it's leveling a bit. And that I, that I think makes backlinks like as valuable or, or more valuable than, than ever. Yeah, and, and there's different ways to, there's different ways to get them. Some folks treat it like PR, like, like outreach. You're, you're kind of doing sales. 
but but you're asking for people to link to you and you know other times people put together clever competitions or games or awards and and say hey you know you're the top because there's companies like there's a company like expertise.com that they 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 have all of these um, awards they give out like you're the top 100 plumbing business in new jersey like please put this badge on your site and, and that badge links back to them so there's different ways to go about it i i think they're still i think they're still important that but but maybe the way google uh, evaluates them is a little different than they used to be the cool thing about seo and this is like one of the things that that i've, I've always enjoyed is everything's public right and so you know you can look at your biggest competitors see what they're doing see who's see how many backlinks they have for the pages they're ranking for and um and, and that's, you know, that's kind of the answer is like, you know, if you want to get to page one for a certain search term, um, here's, here's what the competition's doing. Here's how many backlinks they have. And then you could kind of decide from there, is, is that achievable in the short term? Is that achievable in the long term? And then, you know, figure out a game plan. And you can even go, um, you can reach out to those sites that are linking to them and say, hey, you know, like we have this resource that I think would be a good fit for your landing page. Like link to us too. I'm sure everyone's bombarded with those emails. Um, but everything's public and, and you can kind of see what your competitors are doing and, and, and figure out you know, figure out from there if, if you want to report. Yeah, I think that's a really good point with uh, leveling the playing field in terms of actually creating content. Like what are some of those other signals that Google needs to use to, to cut through this massive amount of new content that's being creative? And like, yeah, backlinks is the original and probably like, one of the best ways to, to cut through the, the noise of all of this new content that's that's being created. And yeah, I think that strategy you mentioned in terms of like best towns or best cities or best plumbers in New Jersey, that's a really interesting one. Like you said, if you're just doing like cold outreach, it is a, it is a slog. Um, and I also think that like the websites that might be willing to link to you are a lot more skeptical than they would have been like eight or nine years ago. Like, I think if you've gotten an email eight or nine years ago that said like, Hey, like I've got this great resource, you should link to it. It was probably somewhat novel. Um, but now, uh, it seems like everybody and their brother is, is trying to build these resource page backlinks. And it's, it's a lot harder to, to actually get those types of links and, and they also might not be as valuable. Yeah. So what are some of those tools that you can use to like, see what your competitors are doing or like conduct that process that you just described? I think the most common ones are, are SEMrush, SEMrush, or Hrefs. Those are the two like biggest data sources for, for keyword research, you know, for backlinking, um, you know, seeing what competitors are doing. I think they'll even give you like an estimate of like, you need this many backlinks to rank for this term. I wouldn't trust that hundred percent, but you know, it's, it's at least directional, you know, you can use it. And then I think like if you're putting together a content strategy or, or you know, you're trying to, um, produce content that's better that you know than a competitor there's a bunch of tools you know there's a bunch of different content writing tools out there like, like positional like your your tool that um you know customers can look to customers can use to to try to beat out the competition yeah i appreciate you mentioning our tool as far as like uh creating content with ai goes because i know you just mentioned it there's kind of been this huge influx of content created with tools like chat gpt and jasper are you using like ai to help in that content creation process how should your clients be thinking about ai like how are your clients thinking about creating content with ai it'd be great to just get like your perspective on should we be using ai to create content on our websites for organic search i sort of take the position that that it's inevitable i am and i know Google has sent out some sort of like mixed signals on, on whether, you know, they're okay with um, AI generated content or, or not. 
I also think you can't necessarily trust what Google says. I think they often throw a lot of misdirection out there. But I, I personally have a bunch of sites that are like 60 to 70% AI content and they're working really well. And, I, and I've seen it work in the wild like quite a bit. There's a lot of people throwing up, as we mentioned before, sites with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of landing pages overnight. It's all AI content. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend that. I think Google has a good idea of what organically created content looks like. You know, you're, you're publishing X number of pages per week or per month. And it's just like they, they have an idea of what like a, a natural organic backlink profile looks like. If you're getting too many backlinks in a certain period of time, that, that could like set up red flags for them. I wouldn't just publish content. I probably wouldn't publish content straight from ChatGPT, right? I would, I would run it through a tool like Positional. I would have content writers or content editors improving it, updating it. I would get it proofread. I would, I would make sure like it's not spitting out lies. I, I think AI generated content that is edited and curated by humans along with some with, with some other tools is is kind of like where things are where things are moving. That's the sense I got from Google's like updated guidelines. Um, I know that like in April of 2022, like uh, John Mueller came out and said like don't use AI. If you use AI we catch you like spam brand's going to mark you as spam and then they updated their guidelines at the start of this year and they said like you can use ai to, to generate content but you'll still want to add like your own expertise and uh originality to those pieces and so i think what they were saying was like you can use ai but you still want to make sure that it's you know of high quality you've combed through it you've made it unique and to you i think the problem is like the companies that are using ai are are tending to go like zero to 100. Um, like I know I talked with a startup the other day who uh, legitimately published 400,000 uh, articles to their website using AI overnight. So they went from like 10 articles on their blog to 400,010 articles on their blog. And they ran into like a whole bunch of indexing challenges. So I, I kind of get the sense from your response. You think that if you are going to start publishing with AI, like you'll want to ramp into the production or, or publishing of that content and maybe not drop 400,000 posts all at once. Even if I had 400,000 posts that were written by a human, I wouldn't dump them onto Google all at once anyway. I think it needs to be kind of released thoughtfully in like an organic manner. And and I think in, you know, in general, I, I'm, I'm excited about generative AI for like for programmatic SEO. So like where you can use SEO to, where you, where you can use generative AI to sort of like summarize a, a table of stats and pick out some key points or highlights. And, and maybe that, that little paragraph that generative AI adds is only like 10 to 20% of the content on a programmatic landing page. Like that sort of stuff is exciting to me and not the just writing entire articles with it and, and publishing them. How I've seen uh, some large sites use AI pretty effectively is, is they're using it as like a supplement to the work that they're team is already doing. So if there are like a large number of very long tail keywords, they're using AI to go after that, you know, five or 10% of keyword lists and not using it for like 80 to 90% of, of what they're doing. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Like you probably remember back in like 2012, 2013, 2014, like when I was first kind of getting into this industry, like spun content was a big thing. Um, and Google took action on that with the, uh, the Panda updates. So I, I think this idea of like low quality mass generated content is not new. Like Google has been dealing with large amounts of low quality content for 
the last 25 years. So I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the next year, like there is some sort of shift in the algorithm, maybe specifically targeted at low quality AI generated content. But I think like you said, as long as you're using it as a as a supplement and actually improving upon what's generated, you, you should hopefully be okay. But it'll be interesting to see where, where everything goes in the next like six to 12 months. It, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I think like every, it seems like every like five to six years or, or so, the entire SEO community freaks out and is like, SEO is dead, SEO is dying, you know, it's, all, it's over. <laughs> and I don't think SEO is going away. I don't think generative AI spells the end of, of SEO. It's just kind of like a new tool. And, and I think, it, you know, it should be a tool for, for website owners and operators and writers, but it shouldn't be the only, only tool that, that, that folks use. Matt and I, like, we ask ourselves, like, once a day, are we, like, crazy to be starting a, a SaaS tool set for content and SEO teams, like, at this exact moment in time when, when one of our investors, like, forwarded me an article which said, like, SEO is dead. Like, why are you building this? And I'm like, huh. Well, like, yeah, people have been saying SEO is dead for uh, the last seven or eight years now, and it's still not dead. I think it's certainly changing. Um, and, like, you and I have both seen, like, the new UX and UI that Google is, like, experimenting with. What are your thoughts on, like, that new search experience and, like, how it might be changing, how we need to be thinking about how we do our jobs? So yeah, I, I've seen the, the, the new release um, from Google. I think, you know, they're, they're under a lot of pressure from, from OpenAI. ChatGPT usage is exploding. And, and this technology originated from Google, right? It came out of Google and they've just sort of been afraid to release it. And, and now that they got all this outside pressure, this version where they dropped a chatbot, like right into search results, you know, like, it feels a little hacked together. I'm sure it'll get way better. It's, it's obviously really early and they whip this together in you know weeks to months. I think it's pretty clear a lot of informational queries in the future are gonna be served by these LLM answers. But you know, Google's kind of been doing that already with like the zero click answers or position zero results for a while. So it's like as SEOs, that's something we've already been dealing with. But I think and, and, and I would also say I think it's pretty clear there's there's real risks to Google's monopoly on search, right? If, if people, you know, end up using chat GPT for 10% of what they Googled before, like that, you know, that definitely is, is a big risk to, to Google, but they're also in the strongest position to utilize this technology and, and extract the most value out of it going forward. And, and I would also say, I think for many types of queries, users are going to prefer Google style search results over a chatbot response. And so, you know, I'm, I'm confident SEO is not is not going away. It, it might it might be changing. It might be changing dramatically. Who, who knows? But I think Google's in the best spot to utilize, utilize this technology, and and our skill set as SEOs like might have to grow. Right? I don't know that anyone is really thinking about how to game LLMs so that Google plugs your plugs your company when 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 someone asks it a question. But like SEO might creep into that space eventually. You know, I. I'm not sure, but it's definitely exciting time. Yeah, I agree. It seems like uh, the new UX and UI like feels like a featured snippet or like an instant answer. Um, I think to me, it's clear that Google still does want to prioritize publishers. Like I think in the new UX UI, there's like three or four different publishers that they highlight at like the top of the result. And so it does appear that like publishers still will get traffic, even from those queries that might be heavily influenced by like a generative AI type 
result. It's just changing like the the real estate and, and who gets placed into those boxes up at the top. I think from like a tools to build perspective, it's pretty exciting. Um, I think we all learned how to optimize for those featured snippets uh, over like the last five or six years. And so I guess it, from here, it'll become a game of like, what do we need to do or optimize for to get included into those AI boxes at the top of a search? And I don't know what tools we need to build to do that or like what goes into our pre-publishing checklist, but it's something that we're definitely thinking about and I'm sure you will be with your clients uh, too. One of the things that I did want to get your perspective on in the content SEO space is uh, I know that there's a lot to do every single day. Like we could be working on keyword research. We could be writing new content. We could be making our website faster. We could be internally linking. There's a lot for us to do every single day as content marketers. What's like one or two things that you see people spending time on or investing like significant amounts of energy into that's just like totally not worth it and a waste of time? Yeah, I would say two things, you know, one that I see this like creeps into most organizations and teams where SEO starts working or SEO is working well and people want to, they're, they're just looking at overall clicks and impressions and traffic and it, you know, Tra you know, SEO traffic in general, you know, it, it can turn into like a bit of a vanity metric because you can rank for all sorts of terms that are easy to rank for and, and don't turn into customers for your business. I would say being too obsessed with growing overall traffic is pointless if, if it's not generating revenue and, and instead to focus on rankings and traffic for, for key terms that, that, you know, are converting viewers into, into users or dollars. So, so I guess like figuring out some kind of ROI heuristic for, for SEO and making that the thing instead of overall traffic, I know it feels good to get hundreds of thousands of clicks or millions of clicks or whatever, but, but like users or, or dollars is, is what matters really. And then I would say the second, the second thing, and this is like maybe more of a pet peeve is people obsess over uh, core web vitals reports. You want like a passing score ideally, but it's, it's such a small percentage of like what makes your website rank. Like I wouldn't spend more than like a small amount of time trying to improve your core web vitals. This is not some, this is not the focus of your, of your SEO campaign, but uh, a lot of people get stuck on that. I would say that like, uh, like eight out of 10 of the search consoles I get access to are, are failing core web vitals. Um, and there are a lot of reasons that might be the case. Um, I think obviously you want, you want your website to be fast and generally available but I, I do agree with you that like once you go down the rabbit hole of core web vitals it can be hard to get out from under it um and and on flip side you could be focusing your time on on actually improving your content or building links or or whatever it is as far as like judging the because uh, i know you talked about like judging the performance of the channel what should you be looking for in the first like three months and then like what are those like KPIs that you ultimately want to be thinking about maybe like six or 12 or 24 months into the, into building this channel. It depends on the campaign and the goal, goals, obviously, but yeah, early on, you are looking at kind of like impressions as like a leading metric of like, you know, are you starting to appear in Google for some of these terms? Eventually, um, once you get to page one, you will start to uh, you will start to get clicks. So, so traffic matters next after that. So impressions, clicks, and, and rankings, you, you want to see yourself going up in rankings for, for key terms. And, you know, that can take one to three months. 
sometimes that can take three to six months. It, it depends on how competitive your, your space is. And, and then from there, I, you know, I would try to figure out how, you know, to your best ability, when a user signs up, figure out how to attribute. It's not easy. Google's made this harder over time, but figure out to your best ability if you can attribute that user to SEO in, in, in some way. And even if it's an approximation, I think that's going to go a long way towards building uh, credibility for advocating for SEO in, in your organization. And it'll help you focus. It'll help you stay focused on what types of content should we should we build? You know, what sorts of terms should we be ranking for? Now, of course, there's exceptions. Sometimes you create content just to generate links, and then it's the other pages that generate revenue. But you know, having um, revenue and, and some sort of ROI in mind like helps campaigns stay focused. So I've really enjoyed doing this podcast with you, Ryan. I think we uh, we tackled a lot of interesting talking points and uh, items for the listeners. And we can cap things off with like a, a quick rapid fire round. I'm going to ask you like five or six questions and, and feel free to just give me like your the first thing that comes to your mind. Does that sound good? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. All right. So I know you're an investor in a large number of startups. Um, and I know that OpenAI was was recently valued at $30 billion as, as part of their most recent fundraising round. Would you be buying or selling OpenAI stock right now? Buying, just, just based off the potential. I mean, yeah, buying. Would you be buying or selling Google stock right now? Buying, still buying. <laughs> All right. What does an awesome piece of content cost? Like if I'm creating my budget, I want to get a piece of content created, what should I expect to pay for that piece of content? I'd say there's a range um, for a really great piece of content. It could be anywhere from 500 bucks to a few thousand bucks, especially if there was something like a survey or research done or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Does it make sense to buy backlinks at all in 2023? Yes, it, it does. I mean, I think if we're just being honest about how <laughs> the industry works, like, Sometimes you have to buy backlinks. Google will tell you never to buy backlinks. They'll say, just create great content and everything takes care of itself. But, but yeah, I don't think it should be like your main link building strategy, but uh, I would do it opportunistically. And as far as trading backlinks goes, um, I know you, you've probably gotten the emails. I get them too. Um, sometimes even from like Fortune 500 companies that want to do link swaps. Uh, do link swaps work? Should I be swapping links with XYZ startup or large company? I'd say sometimes, sometimes, right? If there's like a piece of content that you want to build backlinks to and the way to get a backlink to that is to link from them somewhere else. Yeah, it, it can help, but not not always. Obviously, you know, Google's, Google's smart and can kind of see that you're both adding a link to one another around the same time. I, ideally, you have multiple sites and they link to you from one site and you link to them from another that, you know, that's how, that's how like it works sort of on the agency side. For our listeners, if they want to get in touch with you or, or learn more about rank science, how do they do that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm Ryan bed on, on Twitter. If you want to follow me there or uh, Ryan at rankscience.com, we do SEO office hours for, for startups. Happy to chat with anybody and do a, do a strategy session. I love teaching people about SEO and this is something I'm really excited about. And yeah, th thanks so much for, thanks so much for having me on. This, this has been fun. Yeah. And in the, uh, in the show notes and, and transcript, we'll provide a, a backlink back to your site, Ryan, as well as like uh, your, your Twitter profile and, and some additional information for uh, the listeners to get in contact with you. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this. I think I learned a few things. Um, so thanks for coming on the Optimize podcast. Thanks so much for having me, man. This was, this was super fun. This was, this was cool.
This episode of the Optimize Podcast is brought to you by a special sponsor. If you're anything like me, you've probably got a lot of content that's not very well optimized, and it can be a total pain in your butt to optimize it and ultimately get it to rank better in search. And that's what Positional does. Positional has an incredible tool set for everything from content optimization to technical SEO and planning your editorial calendar. And if you don't know by now, I'm one of the co-founders of Positional, and I'd love for you to check it out. 